Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. Good morning, everybody. It is really great to be back here at Christ Church Anglican after almost two years. Uh, you know, it seems like, you know, from our perspective on the reservation, the time has, you know, flown by just because we've had so much going on. And, uh, you know, we, it was just uh, great that this opportunity rose for us to come back here. And it's really exciting to see so many familiar faces, but it's also really exciting uh, you know, for me to see so many new faces, so many people I don't know, because that tells me this church is doing what it's supposed to be doing, uh, bringing new people through the doors. And on behalf of my wife Susan and myself, I want to thank Christ Church for giving us the opportunity to embark on an exciting and challenging ministry on the San Carlos Apache Reservation in Arizona. I also want to thank all of you who have blessed via ministries with your prayers, your encouragement, and your financial support. Our ministry out there has been, and I'm sure will continue to be, a roller coaster ride, uh, but usually in the best sense of the word. San Carlos is an incredibly challenging, but incredibly fertile mission field. And we're just humbled that the Lord has put us in a place where the good news of Jesus Christ is so desperately needed. So I've been asked today to take a look at what the uh, Apostle Paul has to say in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. As you read through Philippians, you can't help but be convinced that Paul deeply loved the church in Philippi and the members of that church. And they clearly loved him. They were so concerned about his well-being and so attentive to his needs uh, that uh, when they hear about what's going on with his situation in Rome, they're, they're deeply concerned. And that's understandable. You know, this was not a good situation to be in. You know, Paul uh, you know, had wanted to go to Rome for some time, just not under these particular circumstances. Paul, again, was a a wonderful pastor, not just a preacher and a teacher, but a pastor. He cared very deeply for the people uh, to whom he ministered. And in these verses, you see that he wants the people in the church in Philippi to see his situation through his eyes and God's eyes to put their hearts and minds at ease. Yeah, this is critically important because Paul obviously was very intelligent and very perceptive individual. And at some level, he must have known that the time was coming, and in his case was already there, when the followers of Jesus Christ were going to be undergoing persecution from the Roman Empire that would lead to incredible hardships, and for many of them, execution. And Paul wants these people, these people he loves and cares about, to understand what he has been going through, and that what he has been going through is the means that the Lord has chosen for him to advance the gospel. And while this was not what Paul had expected for his ministry, he was first and foremost a servant of Jesus Christ. It was not will, Paul's will or Paul's plans that mattered. For some time, as I said, Paul wanted to go to Rome because in that day it was said that all roads led to Rome. Well, the flip side of that was that all roads led away from Rome to the farthest borders of the Roman Empire. So it was a strategically important place for him to preach and teach the truth 
and the love of Jesus Christ, because whatever happened in Rome would be sent out uh, to the farthest reaches of the uh, empire. And no doubt he had planned to throw himself wholeheartedly into the same kind of ministry that had been so successful in the other cities where he had established churches. Paul was like the Energizer Bunny. He never stopped. You could beat him, you could try to kill him, you could throw all kinds of obstacles in his path, but he just kept moving forward. And he was ready to do it again in this huge, important city that already had an established Christian community on which he could build his ministry. Instead, he finds himself in Rome, but under house arrest while he waits for his trial before Caesar. Now, prior to coming there, he'd already spent over two years under house arrest in Caesarea Philippi. And now he finds himself in a similar situation, although slightly less restrictive, uh, in Rome. The man who never stood still, who always moved forward, has been stopped in his tracks. Or has he? There's an important and very profound lesson in this part of Paul's story for all of us. Because sometimes we're going to find ourselves in situations, and I'm sure many of you already have, that are outside of our control. We ask ourselves, how could this happen, or why did this happen? And it's important to remember that while we can't always change what happens to us, we can change what happens in us so that the right thing will happen through us. That's the way Paul looked at his situation. Because so much of his ministry had involved so many things that were outside of his control, things that he would never have imagined would have happened. You know, uh, you know being stoned, being shipwrecked, uh, you know, being driven out of every city, basically, where he planted a church. By this time, that confusion was a part of Paul's life. It was the rule rather than the exception. But Paul was okay with that because above all else, he wanted to simply be a humble and obedient servant of Jesus Christ. And he would accept whatever difficulty or cost was involved in that. And increasingly, you know, I can relate to that because during the past couple of years on St. Carlos, Susan and I have drawn great comfort from this verse. We have found that so much of the situation there has been, is, and will continue to be outside of our control. And that was really distressing to us. We came out there in the midst of the pandemic. We go out you know, and start to establish this ministry, and we find out that because of COVID, we aren't allowed to go on the reservation. And the Apaches aren't allowed to come off of the reservation. And we're just tearing ourselves apart trying to figure out, all right, how are we going to minister to people who we might get a chance to see one or two days a week if they come into Globe to get supplies. Um, and, you know, we just had to learn to roll with the punches because we've come to see that there is our plan and there is God's plan and our plan just doesn't count. So we ended up having what we call our Denny's ministry. Every time the Apaches came in uh, to buy supplies, which is two days a week, uh, you know, we call them up and say, hey, you know, do you want to grab some dinner? You know, we'll feed you, we'll feed your family. And they always pick Denny's. I don't know what it is, but the, the Apaches love Denny's. Uh, I don't quite understand it, but it works for them. Uh, so, you know, we adjusted to the situation. 
And over time, we found that the most difficult and disturbing situations that we've experienced have produced incredible blessings for our ministry and for our relationships personally with Jesus Christ. We are more dependent on him on San Carlos than we have ever been in our Christian lives. And like Paul, we can say that the gospel continues to advance. And in Paul's case, it advanced in a really incredible, amazing way. I love when God does things like this. The word that's translated uh, as advance in the uh, ESV was the word that the Roman legions used to refer to the clearing away of trees or obstacles in advance of the legion marching you know, to wherever it was going you know, to speed their progress. Uh, it can also be translated as trailblazing or pioneering. Paul looked at his situation as that. He was doing a new thing. He was doing a thing that he hadn't done. And he was adjusting to his circumstances and the opportunities instead of complaining about them or being discouraged by them. So what were his circumstances? Well, he's confined to a rented house. He's not in prison. That's a good thing. But still, his movements are limited to the walls of that house in which he is staying. He couldn't leave there. He couldn't go out and preach in the streets, in people's houses, or at Christian gatherings. And just to make sure he didn't go out, he was chained to a member of the Praetorian or Imperial Guard 24 hours a day. They had four guards taking six-hour shifts. Now, the Praetorian Guards were basically Caesar's bodyguards the best of the best soldiers from the Roman legions. And there were 10,000 of them stationed in Rome. And they were assigned this task of making sure that nothing happened to Paul, that he didn't escape or uh, you know, fall out a window or something like that, because he was an important prisoner. This trial that he was going to go through was going to determine what the Roman Empire thought about Christianity. Was it just one of these little weird Jewish sects that kept developing? Or was it something that was going to be a real danger to the empire? And that you know, was why it was taking so long to prepare for the trial. The Roman Empire wanted to make sure they knew what they were dealing with so they could take appropriate action. And what they didn't know is that Paul had no reason to want to escape. He knew he was where God wanted him to be. He could pray. He could worship. He could read the scriptures, he could fellowship with Christian visitors, he could write letters, and he could share his faith and his story with the guards who were chained to him and couldn't get away. All right. Now, I imagine there were a lot of guards who would have chewed their hand off to be able to get that chain off of them so they wouldn't have to listen to Paul. Now, Paul is a pretty intense guy and uh, you know, a pretty uh, talkative guy. So there was no problem filling up the six hours with each guard. But you also have to think that these battle-hardened soldiers, I mean, think of them as, you know, Army Rangers or SEAL Team or, you know, just the best of the best, probably came to have some respect for this guy who had been through so much. Beaten, shipwrecked, driven out of churches, bitten by serpents. I mean, you know, this guy's life was amazing. And I suspect, and actually we know, that he started to wear some of these guys down. They could respect somebody like Paul, this tough, weird little old guy 
who just never gave up and kept moving forward. And in addition to the Praetorian Guards, there were also Roman officials coming to interview him in preparation for this trial, you know, to just ask him questions and, again, try to figure out what they were dealing with. Paul may have been in chains, but he didn't allow them to slow him down or to stop him from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The only chains that Paul acknowledged were those that bound him to Jesus Christ. And these chains set him free. He had nothing to lose and everything to gain. And I think it's really important that we keep these things in mind. Every day, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, is full of opportunities to share Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in and through him. All right, God is going to bring people into our lives across our paths. And Christianity is about being in the game. We are all supposed to be in the game. We are not spectators in the stands. We are not sitting on the bench waiting for our opportunity. Christianity is not supposed to be a spectator sport. When we leave here at the end of this service, an adult class, we enter the mission field. Our mission field. Equipped and inspired to do the Lord's work in the world around us. That is what this is for. Equip and inspire. This is not an end in itself. It's to prepare us to make a difference for God in a world that is desperate for his love and his truth. We take advantage of the circumstances and the opportunities that God has given us to touch and even transform lives. Now, we don't know how many of the people who came in contact with Paul in Rome ended up accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But, spoiler alert, Philippians chapter 4, verse 21, tells us that some did. Members of Caesar's household, his servants, and maybe some other people, maybe some officials. Paul was not going to be stopped. The circumstances were what they were, but his message never changed, and his hope never failed. And perhaps even more important than what Paul was doing with his ministry was the example he was setting about adapting to circumstances, of never giving up, of always moving forward, because it inspired other believers to be bolder and more fearless in sharing their faith and sharing God's word. As believers, we are all in this together. We draw strength from each other as we see each other sharing and living out our faith. And we all need, if we haven't done so already, to find other believers who inspire us and strive to imitate them in our own lives and ministry. I've been a Christian for 37 years, and God has blessed me to know many exceptional Christians during that time. But in the little Apache church where Susan and I attend on the reservation, we have found several believers who have inspired us in many, many ways. We see these people, many of whom have nothing, many of whom are old, many of whom are crippled, many of whom are in the worst possible circumstances you can imagine, living in tents 
or broken down tiny RVs with no heat or electricity. Yet these people go out and share their faith. They help with everything. I remember this one couple was so excited when our assistant uh, pastor gave them study Bibles. You know, it's like, you usually get a study Bible, it's like, oh my gosh, I want a new cell phone. Uh, but he gave these to them and their faces just lit up because this was fuel for their ministry and evangelism. They felt like, all right, we've got more stuff to tell people about Jesus. So we all need to find other believers, regardless of where we are, regardless of who they may, might be, who can inspire us to greater faithfulness and obedience and boldness and love. I'm so thankful for these folks in our little church, you know, and to get to see how they live out their lives in terrible, difficult circumstances. Now in verse 15, we, we take a little bit of a change in direction because Paul addresses the issue of division and rivalry among believers. This is not just a new phenomenon. It's been going on for over 2,000 years. And it was an important issue for him and evidently for the Philippian church because he's going to come back to this, again, spoiler alert for next week, uh, to chapter 2 in this letter. While he does not strongly condemn those who preach Jesus Christ out of envy and rivalry directed at him, it's clear that he wants believers to strive and conduct themselves with love and humility and unity in Christ. There were people in Rome. Remember, there's an established Christian community in Rome. And there are people who've been preaching and people who've been teaching. All of a sudden, this big apostle, you know, from the, uh, you know, from the east comes. And he's in Rome. And maybe these people were threatened. All right. Or maybe they just wanted to show that, hey, we're as good as Paul is. So they're out preaching, but their motivation is not what it should be. Their motivation was to build themselves up, reduce Paul's profile, and in doing so, probably establish their, their own ministry. It, it's an old story, but, and unfortunately, it still goes on today. And Paul, obviously, there were people who were concerned about this, but Paul was not. Paul trusted that the Lord was going to take the word accurately, truthfully, and faithfully preached and do amazing things through it. None of us, none of our pastors, you know, none of our evangelists, nobody is perfect. And God will work with that. However, this doesn't mean that false doctrines can be tolerated. Paul was very strong on that. You know, he was not, you know, watering it down on this occasion. You know, if we look in Romans, in Galatians, and several passages in 1 Timothy, just to name a few, Paul condemns the teachers of false or misleading doctrines in the strongest possible terms. All right, there's not too much worse you can say to or about people than let them be accursed. All right, that's pretty much the heavy artillery, you know, as far as punishment. So Paul is okay with the gospel being faithfully preached and he will work with the motivations of those who preach it. They're responsible to God you know, for how they preach. He knew 
that doctrine was important, and it still is. It's especially important in these days. Hardly a week goes by, you know, if any of you, you know, plug into the various Christian websites, news websites uh, on the Internet, hardly a week goes by when we don't read about a famous preacher or an influential church or a venerable denomination that is abandoning the truth and leading people astray. And we shouldn't be surprised because Jesus and the apostles told us this was going to happen. He warned people then, and through his word, he continues to warn us. So we have to be, a lot of people hate the word doctrine. You know, a lot of the churches on the, the reservation, there are a ton of little Pentecostal churches on the reservation that don't teach the Bible or anything. Doctrine is bad. Oh, doctrine, you know, imprisons us. You know, we need to be led by the Spirit, not worry about anything except what God is revealing to us personally. That's garbage. Doctrine is what you believe about God, what you know about his heart and his mind. So it's important. And we need to be on top of that. Doctrine needs to be something that we all worry about. And as we get closer to Jesus' return, and we're a day closer every day, and as you look around you, it's hard not to imagine that things aren't moving pretty quickly towards some kind of conclusion. And as we get closer to Jesus' return, we need to follow Paul's example. We need to get as many people to safety as possible. Our circumstances are likely to become more difficult and more painful but they don't need to be a hindrance in the spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ, which is so desperately needed by the non-believing world around us. It has never been more important for us to do the work of the Lord than it is now. If we love people, you know, whether they're related to us, whether we work with them, whether they're friends, or whether they're just strangers, if we love people the way God loves people, we need to devote ourselves, regardless of the circumstances and difficulties, to doing what we are called to do. It's vitally important, and Paul understood this. And how we deal with the circumstances around us can be our most important witness you know, and testimony to those who are confused and hurting and lost and without hope. I think of uh, a lady in our, uh, our little Apache church. Her name is Arlene. She's actually the pastor's oldest, uh, oldest sister. Amazing woman. You know, grew up in a Christian family, you know, has, uh, you know, taught uh, the Lord who has spread the, his word, you know, wherever she was. Incredibly intelligent woman, successful businesswoman and whatnot. She's been struggling. Her husband died two months ago, and he was the one who was caring for her as she was dealing with kidney failure that resulted in a kidney transplant, with all kinds of bone problems, with cancer. I mean, this lady, gosh, I, it, I think it's a miracle when I see her get out of her daughter's car and 
kind of stumble into church every Sunday morning. But she doesn't let her circumstances dampen down her desire to be used by God and to spread his word. Her particular gift, she's 80 years old, and she is an amazing gospel singer. And she'll get up there, you know, and she's tottering around a little bit, you know, and then she just starts belting out something that grabs her heart and convicts you of where you need to be in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's important what we do, regardless of the circumstances we're in. And those circumstances can be a powerful teaching tool and a powerful example to the people around us who are perishing in the darkness. So today, I want to urge all of us, like Paul, to blaze a trail that others can follow to salvation and eternity. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.